We go to the book of First Peter, chapter 4. The book of First Peter, chapter 4. We will pick up in verse 12. Verse 12. Then Anna do an outstanding job. Can we give her another hand? Amen. Outstanding. Let's go to God's Word. I want you to buckle up this morning. We will laugh. We will cry. Um, we will talk about young ladies, what Paul has to say about young widows. And I'll be honest with you, the Scripture made me laugh, and then it made me cry. And then I thought, if I say that, I'm going to get in trouble. So it should be interesting this morning. Are you ready? Some of you have been quiet all service, and now you're, oh, it's going to be good. I'm ready now. It's amazing. Let's go. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. He's telling the closing part of this letter that there's going to be sufferings, and it's going to happen to us, and we shouldn't think, we'll take it by surprise. How we handle those sufferings, though, how we walk through them will dictate our level of success in this life. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you, watch this verse. We're gonna go from the depth of sin to the last word that we think doesn't matter, but don't we know that all scripture is given by God, breathed by God, necessary for reproof, to rebuke us, to edify us? But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, a evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Murderers, evildoers, thieves, and then busybodies in the same verse. Which one of these does not belong, right? All of them belong according to the Holy Ghost. So let's talk about it. I want to teach for a few moments this morning, not my storm. Are you ready? Let's go. Father, we love you. We thank you. Already I feel your presence. I know you're going to challenge us. And I believe it's going to be fun, exciting, also bringing correction, because that's the word, also bringing edification, and God giving guidance and wisdom in the middle of battles and storms because sometimes we set our heart, we set our mind, but it's not you, God. We've got to make sure what you are doing. And God, we want you to guide us and lead us according to the scripture, according to the word, according to the spirit. And if any of that violates my, my thoughts, violates those three, then God, I'll come in to direct contact with you. And God, I've got to receive your wisdom and correction. So if it's me this morning, deal with me, God. God, I'll find myself at this altar before this service is older, over as I did this week in my prayer time. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. As you're being seated, look to your neighbor and say, not my storm. I have taught you that storms come many different places. Natural storms, storms we bring on ourselves, and satanic, demonic storms. These storms, they try us. And here the apostle knows that. So he's writing to them in the closing part of his letter to give them encouragement and exhortation. Encouragement to be faithful 
and not to lose their joy in the middle of the storm, the middle of the trial. But also to give exhortation because he wants to show them what, what part of the storm is our problem, satanic and also natural. The storms that are natural, we've just got to walk hand in hand with the Holy Ghost as he guides us out. The storms that are demonic, sometimes we just have to resist the devil and he will flee. The storms we bring on ourselves, that's the ones though that we've got to deal with according to scripture. And we can't rebuke our way out. We can't manipulate our way out. We can't lie our way out. We can't involve others to come and pat us on the back and say it's okay and it's going to be okay. Because in the end, we answer to Almighty God first. And it will never violate scripture. Never violate scripture and never violate the leading of the Holy Spirit. So now in the close of this letter, he begins to give this exhortation about the trials and the storms of life and how the body of Christ that we're going to endure suffering. But understand suffering may not always be caused by God, but understand the providence and sovereignty of God. Like Job himself, there are times that God allows it for our betterment and also for his glory. Simply saying that in your trial right now, if it's not self-produced, but in a trial that the enemy's brought to you or life, God can find glory in the middle of your suffering and in the middle of your trial. Your trial can bring purpose and your purpose can bring growth. And your growth will reproduce fruit that your storm, your trial, and your suffering might change somebody else's life. Simply saying, suffering doesn't have to be random nor senseless. Suffering can be used as an instrument in God's hand to not only grow you and challenge others, but in the middle of your suffering, you can keep your song, keep your story, keep your testimony, and more importantly, you can keep your joy. Sister Evelyn Long, that's what I kept stressing with her. Do not lose your joy. Death does not have to take your joy. Death is defeated in Jesus Christ. In the middle of your suffering, if you're doing the will of God, you still can rejoice no matter what the enemy brings your way. But here's the key this morning. We must let our suffering be done in a righteous manner, be done according to scripture, and not because we have brought it on ourselves. We have a tendency, twofold. One, as believers, we want to help everybody. I'm guilty of that. If you've got a need, I wanna help you. Most of you are like that in here. We have a tendency as believers and Christians to jump into every situation. And when I was 19, I thought that was wise. At 41, I realized that it's foolish. Because if you spread yourself too thin, you're not effective to anybody or anything. I'm not talking to those people right now. I'm talking to the second group of people that every storm that surrounds Wahala, this community, this church, and Oconee County, you think is your business to jump into that storm. That just because there's a member in your family having trouble, you bypass prayer and fasting and jump to this. Well, if I was you, come on now, that's, that's all of us, right? All of us. If, I, if that was my wife, if that was my husband, if that was my child, well, guess what? It's not your wife. But Brother Nolan, I don't understand how that fits in Scripture. He's telling them don't suffer because of murder. Murder's not always physical. Life and death and the power of the... Yes, come on, preach it with me then. He's saying don't bring trouble on yourself because you kill physically or with your tongue. Don't bring sufferings upon yourself because you're a thief. 
Don't bring suffering upon yourself because you go about doing evil. That's not the enemy, that's you. But to keep them in the middle of their suffering righteous, he adds one more. He says, and by the way, don't be a busybody either. Brother Noah, the Bible speaks on being a busybody over and over and over again. He adds that into this verse, and I stand back and go, God, does this not belong? Sure it does. Because busybodies can destroy families and churches and communities quicker than the person that steals from somebody. Come on. Half of you doing this, other half are saying amen. That's all right. Look to your neighbor and say he's talking to you. It's obvious that one of these seems out of place. A busybody or a meddler in the, the original text, it breaks down one who meddles in things alien to his calling. One who meddles in things alien to his calling. An agitator or a troublemaker. A busybody person is one who meddles in the affairs of others. Sometimes we do it out of good intentions. We think we can help everybody. And as I grow older, I realize I don't need to help everybody. I don't need my hand in it. I don't need to do the deacon's job. Yesterday, two of our deacons were looking at a house to rent while this home is being prepared for our youth pastor. I don't have to be there. That's not, that's not my job. I don't have to check and say, yes, that commode looks good. I think it will suffice. I needed to be at the hospital holding Brother Godwin's hand. I can't be at both places. At 41, I'm realizing I don't have to be everywhere. But also there are others who they live to know. They live to get involved. They live to press. They live to spread. They live to say, look at me, look at me, all eyes on me. And scripture says, don't say that suffering's of God. Don't say that storm is beneficial for you. You brought that on your own self. These type people, they guise it by saying, I just want to help. But sometimes your help is not warranted. And sometimes it's uninvited. And sometimes it's unwelcome. And sometimes it doesn't belong. Busybodies are those who are dissatisfied with their own level of drama and not satisfied with the drama they have. So they find a group that will feed their drama and add to their drama. They are the Oprah Winfrey group of the church. They often disguise it like this. I want to pray. I got a prayer request. I've heard this. It's not gossip, but I've heard. This pretense of asking for advice and free will to do God's will by covering it in prayer is the southern terminology and phrase from every good person that after they have cussed you out, then they say, oh, bless their little heart. Come on, somebody. Paul's exhortations of Thessalonians would say it this way in chapter four, verse 11. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and your own work with your hands just as we commanded you. He tells the church at Thessalonica who was struggling with false doctrine coming in and allowing people to live ways that were not seemingly holy or godly. He says, mind your own business. Live peaceable with all men. Live a quiet life. Work with your hands. Don't try to take what's not yours and let God bless you for this. I feel the Lord has led me to let you know today that I believe that there are some storms that are not designed for you. They're not your storms. 
You may add reasons to it. You may let your humanity push you to it. But listen to me as I felt led in my prayer room to tell you, just because it's your family, just because it's your pastor, just because it's your church, just because it's your boss, just because it's your friend, just because it's your hunting buddy, don't jump in bed with every situation because every situation is not your storm. Somebody say amen. Look to your neighbor and say, not my storm. If you're going to suffer, don't suffer because you're being nosy. Don't suffer because you're being curious. Don't suffer because the grass looks greener. Don't suffer because you are a gossiper. There are some things that we don't have to get involved in. A phrase that has become my terminology lately, even at youth camp as we used our flow chart, stay in your lane. If you're not the rec coordinator, don't worry about going to Walmart buying soccer balls. Stay in your lane. The cafeteria ladies should not worry about what's going on on the football field. You worry about cooking macaroni and cheese. Stay in your lane. If I turn around and I look at the band today and I say, boys, follow me and ladies, key of C, and I just start going to town just like this, it's gonna sound like a hot mess. Neil, stay in your lane. Dandy does not have to call me and ask me, do you think the key of C or key of F or the key of X will be appropriate today? <laughs> Sounds good, brother, flow with it. You understand what I'm saying? There are some boundaries we shouldn't cross. There are some boundaries. Dr. Henry Cloud has a great book on boundaries. There are some boundaries that we shouldn't cross. Just because they're your blood don't mean you should cross that boundary. My brother's wife is not my problem. If you're going to be a part of this family, you're going to marry my brother, you're going to dress this way, act this way, speak this way, say this. Guess what? That's not my wife. Let him work that out. If she wants to wear overalls to every event, that's his business, not mine. Stay in your boundary. Are you listening? We get in trouble when we operate outside of our calling. We get in trouble when we begin to tell God what's acceptable. And I feel led of the Holy Ghost to tell you maybe the storm that I or you are going through is not the devil, it's not God. But maybe because we have involved ourselves in other people's affairs, we have lost our peace, we have lost our joy, we have lost our presence, and God's trying to give it back this morning if we will listen to him. There are some convictions in Scripture that should not be violated because of feelings. Recently, I had a situation that Jessica and I went above measure with our own family. It was a family member to keep ourselves, our good not to be evil spoken of because we were worried about somebody else. And I knew if I involved myself in it, then I would make the situation worse. So instead, we just took our own finances and tried to work it out the best to keep peace in the family because that was not my baby to get involved in. Folks, the older I get, I'd rather have peace. I don't have to be the hero of every story. You don't have to be the hero of every story. Just walk in the Holy Ghost. Proverbs 26 and 17 said it this way. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like the one who takes a dog by the ears. Sometimes we just walk along and jump in somebody else's fence and grab the dog by the ears and then we complain when he bites us. Come on now. I can't believe I was just trying to help them. 
I'm going to show you in a few minutes how that we help somebody. I'm going to give you a few things to help you should you get involved. Because somebody's going to leave here and say, he's preaching, we shouldn't help anybody. He's preaching, we shouldn't love anybody. That's not what I'm preaching. We're called to be the arms and feet of Jesus Christ. But we're also called to be spirit-led and not flesh-led. We're also called to follow the scripture and not violate the scripture. We're called to do what God has asked us to do and not what our feelings dictate us. The greatest myth of the church we are to have compassion and help everyone to be salt and light. That is true. But as I said, we are to be spirit-led and walk in wisdom. We're not to violate scripture. We must also not let our good be evil spoken of. I want to help everybody in this church. But I cannot go to a young woman's house and be in there with her alone to help her on her journey. But Brother Nolan, you're just not confident in your righteousness. Maybe so. Maybe I'm confident in my manhood to know that I'm still human and just like the men of the Bible, that if we don't use wisdom, we will fall by the wayside because the enemy is looking to set us up to fail. And not only that, your good cannot be evil spoken of. You call it my weakness, so be it. But the Bible tells me that God glorifies my weakness because in my weakness, he is made strong. So while you call it weakness, I call it wisdom. I can't go, but Jessica can. Pam can. Taylor can. Somebody else can and go help them and the need is still met. But for those that want to be Superman, sometimes we put ourselves in situations and stories and arguments that are not ours and then we back up and say, oh God, why am I in this storm? Because Jonah, you bought the ticket. Come on, I told you we would laugh. Hold on, we'll get somewhere in a few minutes with ladies and every man in here is gonna have my back and for about 30 minutes, every lady's gonna hate me in this house. We must pray and lift everyone up. We must have compassion for all. But we do not have to run and jump into every situation like a fight on the sixth grade because the bully's getting beat up by the little kid that wears glasses. Hello? We don't have to run and cry, fight, fight, fight. Everybody jump in and give our two cents. Sometimes your two cents is not needed, just the word of Almighty God. So pastor, how do I find out? Let me show you how. There's a story in the Old Testament, I believe it's Genesis 30, by a girl named Dinah. Uh, that's the best way I know how to pronounce it. And Roy, Dinah is this beautiful young lady, daughter of Jacob and Leah, absolutely gorgeous, history tells us. We know that she's still a pure girl. And Brother Williams, they live in, her family's living next to some ungodly people. So we have this pure girl serving in somewhat of a godly home, a part of the family of God. And Brother Lecroy, before the Genesis 30 ends, somehow, someway, she leaves home, leaves her dad's protection, which opens up the story of Leah and how he felt about Leah, and opens up the story where was the, the father's overseeing his daughter. Anyway, she ends up going down to this wicked place getting involved where women there were immoral. She's kind of looking over the fence. Should I get involved? Should I not get involved? Scripture tells us she gets involved. Next thing you know, the prince, in my theology, wants to go a little deeper, but I'll stay away to keep us from confusion. But she gets involved with not just anybody, but the prince of the house. The next thing you know, the prince of the house violates her. 
She goes back home. Now her family's mad. The prince that violated her is in love. He wants to marry her. Her brothers are upset. Now becomes this war. There's a big trick that happens with circumcision. I know some of you are saying, oh my God, where is he finding this at? In the Bible. <laughs> and not to get too graphic, they say you can have our sister, but you've got to go of the covenant to be cut. You with me? And so they set them up, two brothers, and once the men are under covenant, you with me? They realize that their flesh is now weak. You with me? 90% are with me. The other 10% are going, no, but I wish I knew what he was talking about because it sounds exciting. <laughs> it really is. And once they are weak, they then prounce on them and kill them. You talking about a story? How did all that happen? Because one person said, I, I think I'm gonna go get involved. I'm living in a good house. My needs are met. I'm a godly person, but I hear down there that there's a storm and these women, I, I, part of me wants to go help them, but the other part of me is curious. Come on now. I, I think I'm gonna get involved and before it over, she loses everything and eventually would lose her life. So I come for the next 16 minutes to tell you, I don't want you to be involved in every storm that's not yours. At 21, you're gonna feel validated and important. At 41, you're gonna feel scattered in your mind. There's some storms that don't belong to you. Your only participation is to pray fast and give it to God. But you may not have to show up, speak out, show out, or get out. You may just have to sit still and wait on God. First of all, to find out if it's your storm, you need to ask, is this my assignment? If it's not your assignment, stay out of it. I do not get inquire business. I may say, hey, I want you to learn this song. I like a new, a new song called New Wine. It's about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'll come to them and say, I want you to do that. But I'm never going to instruct and look at Jose and say, you know what? That sounds just a little off pitch. The only pitch I know is when the pitcher rears back and throws a baseball. That's the only thing I know. That's it. I don't understand any of that. That's not my lane. What is my assignment? As a minister of the gospel, Paul tells us in the church of Ephesus in, in Ephesians 6 and 19, he wants us to ask ourselves, am I called to this? Jessica comes to me and says, in the fall, I want to start a new women's ministry and I want it to be about this, this, and this. I say to her, sounds good. And sometimes I know that bothers people because they want to go, well, the pastor's not interested in my calling. I am interested, but my interest in it is how does it benefit us and how do I equip you? If I've got to come along and pat you on the back every day, you're not called to do that job. I don't have time to do it. I've got somebody else to minister to. Yesterday, funeral, hospital, home with children, and then study for, study for today. Don't have time to do that. But if you're truly called to it, you wake up every day and go, that's my calling. I am not called to the prison ministry. I can go, but Darren's called to the prison ministry. He goes every month, three and four times a month. Doors are opening. I don't have to go with him to validate him. That's not my calling, but it is his. 
He comes home. He tells me the stories. Letters are sent to the parsonage like Thursday to give to him of life's being changed, but it's not mine, so I don't get involved in that. To be honest with you, when I heard that door close the first time of being in the prison ministry, I was a scared little girl. <laughs> Am I called to it? Every church of God in this state is not my assignment. At 23, I want to know everything that was happening at every church of God in the state. The last six months of my life have been the loneliest months of my ministry. My phone call rings less now. Those who I thought were my friends have long gone pastoral wise because I'm not interested in that anymore. Three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, sitting on boards high, I could tell you the budget, the pennies. But now at 41, I'm realizing I can't give myself to everything. And all that drama and trouble in my mind is not my assignment. That preacher that fell at the church down the road, I love him. I pray for him. If he asks for my help, I will give it. But I, by all no means necessary, am I going to get on social media and put it on blast and up under the skies of a prayer request? Pray for this church. They're just up under satanic attack. So the next response is, what happened? What can I do? What can I do? Scripture told you what to do. He said, go in private and pray for that man. And the God that hears in private shall reward you in the open. God forbid if we follow Scripture, but that's what the Scripture told us to do. What's my assignment? The trick of the enemy is to get you to waste your time because when you're busy meddling in things that are not your business, you're pulled away from your call. The enemy's greatest trick is to get you away from your call. To every minister in this church, where are you called to? What's God called you to do? Why do you not protect that like it's your precious baby? Why do we protect our money and our name, but we don't protect what God has called us to do? Jose, if he's called, you protect it. One of the greatest advices of my life came from an Indian man by the name of John Bunk Smith who started the Society Hill Church of God, who ate at my granddaddy's table, who started the Church of God in my granddaddy's beer joint, as we call it back home, who later led my granddaddy to the Lord. I'll never forget at a funeral home in Darlington, South Carolina, when he pulled me to a side and he said, son, no matter how far you go, protect your call, protect your license, protect your ability to minister, because if you ever lose it, you will regret it and you will never have peace. What is your assignment this morning? Don't get involved in every, I feel the Holy Ghost breathing in me this morning. I feel an urge to see of the Holy Spirit. What has God called you to do? Protect it. And what he's not called you to do, back away from it. I, I can't be the church cook. I can't be the church choir leader. I, I can't be the church children's pastor. I got invited one time to preach, to, Katie, to a, a youth camp in Arizona, and they wanted me to do the children's ministry. They wanted me to dress up like some superhero and dance around stage in tights. God saved me. We had a death in our church and they wanted me to preach. So I called that, that, that youth director in Arizona, Fred Smith. I said, Fred, I can't come. I've got to preach a family member's funeral. He let me out of it. We sent them some money. I was a hero. A church was a hero. But if I would have went, still to this day, the biggest blunder of the church of God would be a me in a picture of red and blue tights dancing around on stage like I'm a hero. Not my call, not my assignment. 
I will fund it, I will help you, I will support you. You can look like Batman and Robin or Superwoman, I don't care, but that's not my assignment. If I start getting in your lane, then I'll quit preaching the way God's called me to preach. If I start getting in your lane, I'll bow down to those preachers that only, or those members who only want me to preach what they want them to hear because they want me to be their sugar daddy and not their preacher. But I know what my calling is. I knew it early on. I knew not everybody would like I've always felt like a John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness. I feel like it even more today. But as long as I preach what's in the word of God in the spirit of love and compassion, then God can use it for his glory. I've come to let you know this morning, quit wasting time. Is it your assignment? It's not, somebody else can take care of it. But brother, no, I've, I've got to get in the storm with them. This is not a tag team bout, folks. This is a one-on-one battle. Pray for them. Fast for them. That's what you can do for them that's gonna matter. But you getting involved where it crosses boundaries, now you're in a storm. Not your storm, but in the storm. Now you're coming back and saying, Pastor, you gotta help me get out. You gotta get out. Secondly this morning, is this my business? Y'all ready? Two men in the church fighting over the best football team. Mike Crowell says it's the Gamecocks. 95% of the church says it's Clemson. Not my business. I've seen that break down in revival in Alabama where two people almost fought. Two 80-year-old men fighting over Auburn and Alabama in church for real. <laughs> Not my business. Who does this? Which lady wears the dress the best? Not my business. Who cooks the best homemade apple cobbler? Not my business, but I'll try both. Amen? <laughs> Not my business. Why? 1 Timothy 5 and 13 said, And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. Not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought. Let me press it. And before you get mad at me, ladies, and I may pick up here tonight, Ladies, he's actually talking about widows, but not older widows, but young widows. Let me give you a different translation. And if they're on the list, they will learn to be lazy. He's talking about the list to help the younger widows or widows. And will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to watch. Y'all ready for this? Get ready. You ready? I advise these younger widows to Marry again. Preacher, you crossed the line. Now you're in my business. No, that's what scripture says. Scripture says to the younger widows, I, I feel it, it's coming back at me right now. Point number one, everybody's like, oh, he's preaching. Point number two, they go and pray for my pastor. That's what they're saying right now. <laughs> I advise him to marry again and have children and take care of their homes then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them, for I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now they follow Satan. He's talking about little sweet, innocent women of the North Wahala Church of God who would never do anything wrong. You know what he's saying here? When you've got so much time on your hands that you have nothing to do for the kingdom, you find yourself not doing God's business, 
but doing others people's business. So then you've got to ask yourself two things. Is this my business and do I have too much free time on my hand? Simply saying, do I need to get involved? Men, I just helped you out. Every single man in the church who's looking for a wife, I just helped you out. You should go home. Dawson, you too. You should go home and put it on Facebook and say, Pastor said to all the young widows, don't do it like this though, who are out there gossiping and being lazy and being idle and spreading discord. Don't do it like that. Don't, no, no, no. You might get the one you don't want. But honestly, what he was saying was you need to occupy your life with, with what is important. Life is important. Ministry is important. And when you have so much free time in your hand that you can get in everybody's life, you've got too much free time. When you know what's going on in every house of the North Walhalla Church of God, I want to ask you how. How are you doing that? Because if you're praying, fasting, studying, growing, ministering, and walking in your own calling, point number one, you don't have time to go from house to house to house to house to house spreading idle gossip. And with social media, it's only by one click of the button. Boop. More confusion. And you can get mad when you want to, but this is scripture. Scripture says that you're, this is not your business. In fact, Paul said, go get married, have babies, enjoy each other, enjoy life. Because Paul knew that if you get married to a young woman, man, your life is going to be full and busy. Every man is like, I can't say nothing, preacher, right now. It's the truth. Because you've got to earn a paycheck. You've got to provide. You've got to pray at the table. You've got to raise children, rear children. You've got to cut grass, weedy. You've got to fix this or that. If you can't do it, then you call Dino. You understand what I'm saying? He wanted you to be busy about life. Why? Because when you're busy about being nothing and doing nothing and being lazy, you are wasting your life. You only have one. Quit wasting on trivial stuff. It's not your business. Brother Noah, I hear they're fighting next door. Pray for them. But don't go get involved unless God has led you. If the Spirit's led you, then the Spirit will get you out. Hello? Now quiet now. Two people fussing at Hardy's over the chicken. Not my business. No, sir. Brother Noah, the church down the road, I hear that the pastor's involved with a woman. I'll pray for it. I'll help him. But unless God opens the door or my overseer sends me, not my business. I got too much to do right here because if I'm not asked to go there, I will bring nothing but trouble because on both sides, the spirit has to be ready for that healing. I've come to let somebody know it might not be your business. But Brother Nolan, that's my child. It may be, but follow scripture and how you deal with them as they're an adult, right? Hello? Last Sunday night, I had you pray for my father. My father was in the hospital with sugar 500. And while it may be my business to love on him, I realize he's a grown man. So on Sunday night, once his sugar got below 300, he did the only right thing to do. He went and bought two bags of Cheetos. And me and my brothers are pulling our hair out. We finally came to the conclusion, he's a grown man. There's only so much we can do. So with the time we have with him left, we're going to use it wisely and love on him and be with him because in the end, he's a grown man and he's going to make grown decisions. I come and let somebody know, is it worth it today? 
Is it your business? If it is, then be godly. Jump into it. If it's your business, your Sunday school class, your ministry, your church, jump right into it and go to work. Your pastor praying fast. But if it's not your business, stay out of it. Let God work it out. God can work out two people against each other a whole lot quicker than eight people involved when only should have been two involved. Last thing I closed, am I qualified? I'm a preacher of the gospel, not a licensed counselor. There are people in this church that are licensed counselors. But I'm learning to understand that I'm not qualified for everything. I don't have to get involved in everything. I'm not putting down degrees, titles, or, or being licensed. I have all of those. And I understand that God qualifies us in the kingdom. However, just because I am called doesn't mean I am qualified to handle every situation. Brother Vaughn, if you'll come, please. I'll pick up right here tonight. You're in a storm right now. Is it your business? Is it your calling? And are you qualified for it? Because if God's gonna put you there, it's either gonna grow you in the suffering, or if you're ministering, you're gonna have the necessary resources or God will provide the necessary resources. But God's not gonna place you in that storm to bring more confusion because God is not the author of confusion or chaos. I'm realizing that I don't have to get involved in every storm because I'm not qualified to handle every storm. But somebody is. Somebody's went to school for it. Somebody's bought the t-shirt for it. Somebody has that special anointing to handle that situation. It just doesn't have to be me. I'm not a better minister because I get involved in everything. In fact, I'm probably not doing the best job I can by doing that. There's somebody in this church that probably can help you. And I'll come at, I want you to ask, and I'll come and let you know to ask yourself, am I qualified or is this storm not my storm? I'll pray for you. I'll help you. But this just might not be the place that I need to get involved. Sometimes people get upset when you don't get involved because they want more people in the storm. See, but you don't belong in that storm. You've got your own storms. You've got the enemy knocking at your door. So don't go jump in somebody else's storm that God didn't place you there. If God puts you there, you will be qualified to turn that thing around for God's glory. I don't know who I come to preach to, but maybe, just maybe, you're in the middle of a storm right now, and you blame the devil and everybody else. Can I ask you, did you put yourself in that storm? Did you buy the ticket, Jonah? Did you saddle up that horse, and now it's bucking too much, and you ready to get off? If, you, if that's the truth, get off today. There's no shame in that. I've been guilty. I've involved myself in storms that I had no place be. I've been sinful in that in my youth, but I'm learning how not to do that now. This past month, somebody called me with a gossip of a minister, and I told those here Wednesday night, the greatest blessing of my life, I've learned how to say this, hold on, let me go get him. He's standing right here. Let me put him with you, and we'll find out what the truth is. That man said, I'm probably mistaken. Let's just put this thing in the bed. And it was over just like that. Pastor, have you always done that? No, I'd be a hypocrite if I told you that. But I'm telling you, as I get older, I'd rather have peace. I don't have to be the hero of every storm. 
There's other people in this church. I don't have to preach every funeral. There's godly men that can do that. I don't have to show up every day to show you that there's an S on my chest. No, there's people that can do their own callings in this church. People clean, people cook, people preach, people teach, people flow in their callings, and that's their job. I don't have to go where I'm not qualified. Because if God sends me, he'll equip me. And if he equip me, equips me, I'll help you get out your storm. I'll help you. But you hear me, if I'm not supposed to be there, I'm praying for you. I love you. I, I'll send you a postcard. I'll send the right minister to you. But for me and my house, we've got too much going on just to jump in your storm that I don't belong in. Can somebody say amen? Now I want you to stand all over the house this morning. If you would, I want you to look to your neighbor and say, that wasn't too bad. Would you do that for me? Families, for the Nolan household recently, my brother, one of my brothers and my nephew, we came together and we said, listen, we don't like a situation, it's wrong. And we know it's gonna blow up, it's gonna be catastrophic. But if we put ourselves in it, it's gonna make it worse. We're gonna stay out of it, it's not our business. That's hard. Would anybody admit that's hard? It's hard for me, maybe it's just me. I think I could fix a lot of things. I'm learning I'm not supposed to fix everything. Yesterday morning, a lady out of Columbia texted me out in the blue. She gave me a rhema word, an African-American lady that you wouldn't know, knows nothing about me now, my story or my storms. She reminded me what the battle was and who it belonged to. Listen to me today. I want you to walk in peace and holiness and anointing. Uh, this life's gonna bring enough storms on you. If you raise children, you have parents that are getting older, some of you have lost loved ones already, this life is gonna bring enough storms. Darkness, depression, man, they plague my life all the time. I feel like Elijah sometimes, up under the tree. So the last thing I wanna do is bring more storms to my life. Stay out of it. Walk in the Spirit. Walk with God. God will help you, he'll equip you. I feel the sweetness of God's spirit in this house. God's helping somebody today. Not your stone, not your stone. Don't jump in this one. Don't buy the ticket, not your stone. Here's what I wanna do, I don't wanna embarrass anybody. If you wanna to come to the altar, you can. It's open and I will pray with you. I open up these altars, but here's what I wanna do. I want you to get with your family, if you would. If your family's beside you, then you're right there. If they're close to you, I just want you to get with your family. And I want to pray a prayer over this church as pastor to help all of us because I believe that this sermon applies to everybody. I don't think anybody can walk out of here and go, you know what, that's never been me in my life. If that's the case, I want to talk to you. I want to know how you did it. I really do. So let's pray. Father, as we open up these altars, as they begin to sing softly, Father, my ambition was to keep people from the storm. Storms come. Sometimes we don't have to get involved in every storm. We can pray. That's the most important. We can let them know we're here. We can fast. You will see that in reward. But Father, I don't have to jump into everybody's stuff because I'm curious, nosy, or I need to be validated. Some people will go from ministry to ministry, never finishing anything, 
It's not because they're evil, but they're needing validation. And so we get in storms that are not ours. What I'm trying to do is bring peace to storms. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this body. God, you would help us. Breathe upon us. Move us forward in Jesus' name. God, we're going to give you glory. We're going to give you glory. Thank you, God, that you still deliver us out of the storm. My last thought, God, if somebody's in this house and they're in a storm right now and they know I put myself in it and I need to get out of it. Father, I want you to make a way of escape like the scripture says. I want you to make a way of escape that God will leave them out and they'll stay out of it, God, let you fix it. Because God, we're not here to add to chaos. We're here, God, to bring confusion to naught. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. As I close in prayer, thank you for coming today. What a great service. I pray you receive this word as I did. It was challenging to my own life. Also, I want to add one more time to all the young single men who are looking for a wife. Don't you go out and say, preacher said you needed to marry me because you're a busybody. Don't do that. You're going to get slapped and I'm going to be in trouble. Don't do that. Understand the context of Scripture of being idle and lazy and what he's saying your life is more important and we, when we fill our lives with great things, you notice how I'm being cautious with the ladies, that's on purpose. But I will say once again, it is still God's Word. It is still God's Word. So please don't use that as a pickup line. If you do, let me know how it works for you. Amen. <laughs> Try the Scriptures. Amen. I love you.